Welcome back to Chit Chat with Alley Cat. I'm your host, Alley Cat, and I'm here with Maureen Miller. And today we're going to be talking about authenticity, um, how it comes into our lives, how we've dealt with it, how we've moved through spaces, and some of our practices. So, for some of you who know, some of you who don't know, Maureen is a yoga instructor, one of my favorites. Thank and, you. Mm-hmm. And when I met Maureen, I just remembered that she had this incredible light. Um, which she still has, just really brilliant, very uh, vibrant. And I went to one of her classes, and I remember thinking, like, okay, wait, what's happening? And so I really wanted to ask you um, how you came to bring comedic yoga and hip-hop into the same space. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was these two different... They seemingly different mm-hmm. ideas coming into the same room, and it just always felt like home. And so I wondered where that idea came from for you. Mm-hmm. And especially when you think about yoga and what you know we've been, we've been programmed to believe is is yoga here in the West is something that's that's has to be practiced in a particular way, very soft, very quiet to a particular kind of music that might not resonate with everybody. Um, and, uh, I event, well, after I practiced or after I taught for a couple of years, I, I, I really had, um, a, a desire and an inclination to try to bring more black and brown people into this practice. Most of the classes that I taught were, were primarily white people, primarily white women. And, uh, I had heard of a... Uh, a teacher, a male, a black male teacher in the eastern part of the United States combined yoga with trap music. And that brought many people into this practice, just the idea of combining something familiar, the music, with something unfamiliar, the yoga, mm-hmm. brought a lot of people in. And uh, and trap music is not my thing, but <laughs> I was, I, I enjoy some trap music. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't listen to it regularly, but I do listen to old school hip hop regularly. I, I was a, a old school hip hop DJ um, back in the mid nineties. I'm dating myself, but I, I spun wax. I spun, vi- not wax, vinyl. And um, I felt like that would be an interesting combination. And I, and I felt like it would fit and it would sp- inspire people mm-hmm. and it would lighten the mood. Um, one thing that I, 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 I have found bringing more black and brown people into this practice is that there's a, a, a bit of a trepidation when you come into a room that is uh, unfamiliar to you. You don't know what to expect. You don't know how you're supposed to be. And when a song plays that you connect with Mm -hmm. you know there's a certain feeling it brings you joy or or it brings you back to a moment in your life that's been really fun Mm -hmm. that something inside your body relaxes yeah right Mm -hmm. and 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 that's and that is the feedback that I got from a lot of people who came to that class where I was playing my my music they were like wow that was a really cool experience I would have never thought to do yoga with like a tribe called quest or with yeah you know it's so true and i remember so i didn't know that you were a dj at that time Uh or ever so Uh i was like i don't understand how this is popping up like she gives me this like earthly we should be listening to like trees blowing in the Uh wind type of vibes and so when i think we were in gosh we i think you had us in like half crescent or something Mm -hmm. and i was like what are we doing? And mm-hmm. Erica Badu came on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Right? 
Yeah. And it, it did. It relaxed me. It brought me into the space a little bit deeper. And it also reminded me to just be myself. Yes. I didn't have to put on this, like, pose. I didn't have to take the asana in a way that felt, like unfamiliar to me if it hurt or just different spaces like that so it was a reminder to modify and like really bring myself in and and erica will do that to you mm -hmm. right like she reminds you that your responsibility is to be who you are mm -hmm. because nobody can be who you are as good as you mm -hmm. right so yeah absolutely i'm really glad that it did that for you yeah and i, I think that's what i really like want us to dive into a little bit more of like how that's shown up for us and maybe not just in yoga because I know there are other facets of our lives but how has authenticity come up for you and whether it's been challenges of like remaining yourself in spaces where you don't always feel like there is that space or um, having to adapt or mold to be into spaces and then perception I think that we get a lot of people projecting who they think we are onto us and then we have to either hold that or sidestep and let them know oh I'm sorry this is not who I am um and so yeah so if there's an experience you've had where you've had to like adapt and then kind of realign I want to hear a little that's bit my whole life that. Allie tell me <laughs> my whole life has been adapt tell and realign us. Tell and us. now it really is less adapting mm -hmm. and more realigning to my true authentic self mm -hmm. um I I think I'm quite a bit older, so I'm 51, and so I think a lot of people in my generation were are 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 are, are severely programmed. Like mm -hmm. people in your generation, you're you're millennial, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have a son who's 16; he's Gen Z. You yeah, know, they, which they, is they, like so, so weird different, to right? Think about yeah, but they're really coming out. And if the parents and the grown-ups around them can protect them from the forces that want to mold them into something that they're not, they're really coming out, really aligned and like we all do and then we get programmed but if we can protect them they're they're really coming out really close to source and really understanding mm -hmm. that their job on here is to be who they are right mm -hmm. people in my generation um you know growing up in the 70s and 80s we are we are very heavily programmed to be who we're not right mm -hmm. um all through school it was you know you can have these three careers you know to be successful to be a success don't don't be yourself you don't want to be yourself. You want to be a success. And to be a success means this. There was a very narrow path that you could take, right? Mm -hmm. You could be a doctor. You could be an attorney. You could be, um, I don't know, as a woman, you know, you, you could have a career. I'm doing air quotes because people can't see me. You could have a career, but then you that was sort of secondary because you're supposed to have, be a mother and a wife, right? So, you know, I, I'm now still at 51, un, un, kind of clearing out that software, mm -hmm. you know, that I feel like our minds are the, 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 the most powerful supercomputers, clearing it that, out, out that software on a daily basis and reinstalling the software that, um, that I need to, to bring out my authentic self. And, mm -hmm. it, and it's a practice, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a practice. It's not one day I'm, I'm not authentic and the next day, boom, I'm now my authentic self. Mm -hmm. No, it's a, it's a constant coming back to um, um, identifying those times where, where, where there's something in my body that feels like it doesn't quite feel right. Mm -hmm. And that's the key to, oh, what's going on where maybe I'm not actually dropped into my own authentic self, mm -hmm. where, I'm, where I'm play acting because of some outside force, 
right? So, so for me, and yoga has been a really big part of, of, um, of becoming more, um, becoming more uh, aware of when that happens, mm-hmm. right? So the mindfulness, that's what I mean to say, is that the yoga has, has a sl- I have a really fast mind. I talk really fast too. And so yoga has really, um, <laughs> I do everything true. fast. It's like so I, true. I, I was a track and field athlete. I was a track star. <laughs> I, I ran fast. I ran fast. I talk fast. I kind of eat fast, right? I, I, so I'm trying to slow down and yoga really has mm. provided me a really good tool to coming back into my body, coming back into my, that's the other thing is that I was incredibly disassociated from my own body, mm-hmm. from my own experience. Like I always lived a little bit away from my body, right? Never quite in my body, kind of out there looking in, mm-hmm. right? And judging. Mm-hmm. So yoga has really provided this tool of, of mindfulness where I can now identify when I start veering off into a more unnatural state because I feel like authenticity is the natural state but here especially in the west what is normal normal in air quotes is not what's natural no right yeah we've normalized like we've normalized a bunch of real shitty behavior Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty scary Mm -hmm. It's, it's very true and when you were saying right now, I think that it's a vulnerability practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a practice in being your authentic self. It's going beyond fear. It's going beyond that like social norm, social societal norm that we think we have to fall into. And we've been told we have to fall into. I know this with my own life. Like it wasn't until I deviated from the the patterns and the software and the programming that I was actually happy that I was actually getting to be my best self um and not what people thought that I was gonna be or who they wanted me to be I was like able to just be honest of I'm dealing with anxiety and I'm dealing with stress and I'm dealing with these things that I never talked about because it was normal to burn out and it was Mm -hmm. normal to be exhausted and it was normal to fake who you were Mm -hmm. wherever you were Mm -hmm. and I, I really do appreciate that about yoga too because it caused me to drop back into my body mm-hmm. and not just to drop back in but to appreciate my body so I had so much more gratitude for every limb and every just piece of me rather than disdain and I had I hated my body for a very long time and so working backwards from hating my body to loving it in this way that is more intimate than just like oh I love it because of the superficial reasons like this looks great to me no like I'm Loving it for all of the different things that I always hated. Like, oh, there's a stretch marker. Oh, there's some fat here. Oopsies. Oh, okay. Yes. That was like a uh-huh. I That should never be up on that ledge. That keeps falling off. <laughs> it's confirmation. Did it break? It's, it's, yeah, it's re- resilient. Yes. So I, I definitely, I think that like authenticity, I've seen people, I think about this a lot because I've seen people perform vulnerability perform wellness perform you know this centered life and then you meet them and you're like okay so there's actually a lot of disarray in your life and it's okay to have that but don't act like everything is perfectly put together all the time Mm -hmm. and it's hard like we all are going through something all the time and tackling these obstacles 
But I think that it's so important to just be honest, just to be ourselves. And what I really, I just, I love, like, I'm so excited about this conversation. Mm And I think that it's important. People need to hear this. People need to be talking about this. Like, I hope that it sparks more conversations about vulnerability and honesty and authenticity and shoot go do some yoga come to black black to yoga like mm-hmm. just if, i mean if you're not in oakland i get it um mm. but come visit like i think that there's a community space that uh, i also want to get into like mm-hmm. i think community is so important in mm-hmm. terms of being authentic because if you're surrounded by people who are only showing the facade for clout or for mm-hmm. you know whatever reasons you fall into that. You start playing the part and wearing the mask and mm-hmm. wearing the costume. So mm-hmm. in cultivating an authentic community and more authentic communities for black and brown bodies to find healing, to hold space for wellness, how have you done that for yourself? Mm. You know, it... it... I can't say, well, I did A, B, and C, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's, um, it, it once again is the idea of it, of it being a, a practice. So, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because um, I, uh, you talked about um, your body, right? And you talked about um, the, the struggles that you've, you've had with, with not liking your body or not liking what you see or the stretch mark here and there. And it's really interesting because I think that um, in, in the established patriarchy, which I know that we're working through, that we are, that as women, we are programmed to, um, to not like what we see in the mirror and that what is acceptable and what is good and what um, what we're supposed to be striving for is this very narrow and very European uh, beauty standard. So it's interesting because I, even at 51, um, I, well, when I was younger, um, I, I battled an eating disorder. So, you know, it's, it's interesting when, when, when uh, I'm certain that people look at me and they look at me as a yoga instructor and they have certain sort of ideas and um, designs and, and um, thoughts about who and what I am and, um, and expectations about what I'm going to provide to them simply based upon the way I look. What they don't know are, are the years and years and years of what I struggled with, which was quite simply self-hate, mm-hmm. right? Like I did not, and I'm thin, right? Like I was an athlete, but I did not, I thought I was fat. You know, I had a real, um, it's, it's the eating disorder mentality. I had a really skewed sort of view of when I looked into the mirror, what I saw. And, um, and, and, and so I started very early on with therapy and, uh, and just the uh, really learning how to identify when a, a, a negative thought creeped into my sphere that was untrue both negative and untrue. I'm fat, I'm unattractive, um, I'm, um, I'm ridiculous, I'm a dork, you know, whatever it was, all of those, uh, anything where it was my authentic self that wasn't the, that wasn't sort of the, the standard of what was acceptable and beautiful and, and whatever, right? But it was me, it was my authentic self 
but I, I denied that, right? Because I, I didn't see that represented around me, right? So it was, um, it's, it really is a, a, an ongoing practice of identifying when I have um, veered a little bit off course and then course correcting that and coming back to a natural state that may feel a little uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but it's the truth, right? Because we're, we're not used to sitting in the uncomfortable truth. And I think that is the thing about vulnerability, right? Vo uh, authenticity is our natural state and we're not used to it, right? We're used to being something that we're not in order, and, and, it, and, and it's because of this. It's because we're social beings, right? And so the worst thing that anybody wants in the world is to be ostracized, right? The, we're social beings, we live in community. So when, when, when you're afraid that somebody's going to reject you for who you really are and you're gonna be out on the street, you'll do anything that you can to fit in. Mm -hmm. This is what we do, we play this, this, this fitting in thing. Mm -hmm. And nobody really, really wins with that game you know we what we create is what we have now you know a whole bunch of robots just doing the things that they think that they're supposed to do mm -hmm. and nobody wins right mm -hmm. um so I, I think i veered off your original question but no I, and i think you, you brought me back to it because it reminds me like i've been in communities where i played my robot self mm -hmm. and i like performed confidence and i performed um self not even self-love, like, I just performed this confidence that you thought that I was, like, like, just so about myself, mm -hmm. and I was, like, with it. In fact, I was definitely in a space of self-loathing and doubt and fear and all of these things of feeling like I was going to be subject to um, criticism and all these different things, like you said, being ostracized. Like, Ridicule, mm -hmm. you know, being made fun of. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody wants to go through that experience mm -hmm. at the same time that is the work right that mm -hmm. is the work that gets you to the point of un realizing that uh that shit's not gonna kill me mm -hmm. right and, and and it's more valuable for me to 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 work at embodying who i am and seeing what's behind that curtain mm -hmm. than repeating the same old shit that i know doesn't really work mm -hmm. and that keeps me kind of stuck in this in this loop that's not me yeah, and on that loop, I was killing myself. Like, mm -hmm. it was Me this too. internal deterioration that no one saw. They just assumed, oh, she's so happy. She's so lucky. You know, happy-go-lucky. And I was, like, struggling, was going through it. So when I decided to embody the parts of myself to really, like, hold space for the parts that I didn't always think were valuable or, you know, like, the dorky, goofy, whatever, like, that has just been so much better than any of the faking I ever did. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because people, like, their reception of it cracks me up because I'm like, hey, I've always been like this. I just didn't know how to accept myself. Because mm -hmm. it hasn't always been about other people and how they'll accept me. Mm -hmm. But because we're so social, we're social we beings. think about other people and how they're going to respond first. Mm -hmm. And what I notice that in any new space I go into, when I'm not so much thinking about how people are thinking about me and I'm just coming from my core it like is this magnetic attraction and I get people that like around me that we just are in alignment we like are on the similar vibra like vibrations mm -hmm. and so I think about that in terms of authenticity because people right now especially are performing authenticity they're performing being vulnerable because they think it's going to get them 
more plays or followers or whatever and it it's kind of sad to me because there are people who are struggling with things like you mentioned like an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and mental health disorders and different like struggles that will never come up and say anything that Mm -hmm. will never feel like they have the space to talk about something and so I get offended when I see people that are just like doing it for clout they just want to have that that praise because the people who are actually going through stuff are usually the last ones to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've also seen is that it's most important for us to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's most important for us to bring this to the forefront. And I know we've had some conversations about this. Like, there's going to be moments like we are going to look silly. Mm-hmm. And we are the ones who are going to look silly for whatever this mm-hmm. time period is. But us holding space opens up more space. Mm-hmm. We give per- people permission to then look silly, you know, because you would, you would be so, I think we would all be so surprised if, if, if one day we woke up and we were actually able to see everybody's thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if you were actually able to see people's thoughts, right? What people were really thinking and feeling. And I think that even though on the outside, somebody might put a mask on and make fun of you or laugh at you or say something that's not very nice on the inside they're dying a little bit inside because they really wish that they had the courage mm-hmm. to show their true selves they mm-hmm. wish that they had the courage to take off their masks mm-hmm. so when you and i take off our masks and are w- willing to risk looking ridiculous mm-hmm. which i do a lot of the time <laughs> right it gives people permission mm-hmm. and that feels so good to me Right. It feels so good to me to let my dorky side out so that somebody else can just let their hair down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and not have to project something that doesn't necessarily belong to them and or doesn't serve them and or doesn't serve the society. Right. Like mm-hmm. we. W- w- nobody does us as good as us. Right. Like no, nobody, nobody can do Maureen. And I still haven't quite figured out what Maureen is. I have bits and pieces put together, but you're but can't, day. right. I'm, and I'm learning. Allie can't do Maureen, no. right? Maureen can't do Allie, but it's interesting that we try to do somebody else, you know, m- much of the time, not as much anymore for me, but I did spend a good 35 years doing not me. Mm. Right. And it's only been this last like 15 or 16 years that I've really started to figure out who and what this person named Maureen is. Mm -hmm. Right. What sparked that change for you? I had a very abrupt spiritual awakening slash opening when I was about 36 years old. Mm. Yeah. I had a very abrupt in some ways, a, a spiritual crisis where I actually almost went crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a whole bunch of shit opened up to me in a very short period of time. If you ever heard of a Kundalini uh, awakening, sometimes mm-hmm. the Kundalini, um, which is sort of like a, a serpent energy coiled at the base of your spine that can, when it awakens, it, it travels up your spine and it sort of opens up your perception of this third dimensional reality. I know we're getting a little bit, mm. a, little, a little esoteric here, no, okay. but, um, but um, it's only because it's only because science has not caught up with spirituality. That's the only reason it's really not esoteric. It's all about energy, mm-hmm. right? But um, so this, when the Kundalini awakening happens and it happens in a slow and controlled fashion with a teacher, somebody who can guide you through this process, mm-hmm. then 
you can be okay and it can be a really wonderful enriching thing when it happened in my case I didn't know it was happening and I didn't have a teacher and I almost blew my circuits out I almost blew all my electrical circuits out Mm. And um, I, I, I almost didn't recover. Like there was a time there where I th- thought that I was going to end up in a, a mental hospital for the rest of my life. And this was coming from a person who, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a CPA. I'm an accountant. Right. I was an accountant for many, many years. And then all of a sudden I find myself in this reality that was even more real than this third dimensional reality like I was manifesting things with my mind, like synchronicities were showing up on a, on a, like an hourly basis. And I was just like, Whoa, like what is going on here? And, um, yeah. And ever since that time I've had to, um, well, I had to spend a lot of time and a lot of energy to try to get back to, um, uh, being able to live in a third dimensional reality where not everybody is in the fourth and the fifth dimensions. Like they're here in this material reality and I have to figure out how to live here. Like I can put my toe in the fourth and the fifth dimension, but I can't necessarily stay there. I'm just sort of, you know, I'm, I'm standing on, in I'm both straddled. worlds. I'm straddled. Mm-hmm. I'm straddled in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to spend some time figuring out how to live there. And then I, I really found a serious yoga practice. And through that serious yoga practice, I, 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 you know, I really started to learn what all of that stuff that I experienced. I became my, my, my teacher. I became my guru. Mm-hmm. I, I learned backwards all of those things that it would have been nice to have a guide teaching me about what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And I think that that happened to me for a specific reason, because I really do feel like now I am a really good guide for people who might be going through or who might have really abrupt spiritual awakenings now Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people are starting to have those Mm -hmm. and I think there's the potential for a lot of people to go crazy like I Mm -hmm. see that I see the potential for a lot of insanity to start happening Mm -hmm. and I hope that um, I'll be able to play whatever small role in just being a guide, a friend, a mentor to somebody who's having some crazy shit going on in their mind or in their mm-hmm. hearts or in their bodies to be like, it's okay, here's what's going on mm-hmm. and here's what you can do. But yeah, but since, mm-hmm. but since about 36 years old, my life has never been the same. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same person and, and, and my perception of, of life is completely different. Um, I think the, the best way that I can explain what that perception is is that I realize I know that everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Like it's that idea of oneness, which sounds mm-hmm. kind of hippy dippy and woo. No, but it's, it's true. Scientifically, yeah, we are all connected, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I here have these individual bodies for a reason, mm-hmm. right? So that spirit or source can can have its experience through you, different than can have its experience through me. But you and I are connected. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Yeah, so I got that, I got that, I got that at 36 years old, really mm. intensely, in a really yeah. intense way. Yeah, mm. we'll have to talk about that a little bit more sometime. Yes. I'll be happy to share what actually happened. Definitely, and I, that just reminds me of like, I think for me, my wake up was like, I had a breakdown. Uh-huh. It was like burnout, I had a breakdown, and then there was this tremendous amount of grief that happened. Mm. And so I did not know how to process any of it and I didn't have the energy to fake anything so once I didn't have the energy to fake my life and who I was and how happy I was and it, I just stopped yeah I was like so this is what you get like I'm not yeah. gonna just be like a jerk all the time but I'm not gonna go here because I don't have the energy for it I'm not gonna 
fake this for you. I can't be this person. But it was really, like you said, that oneness. I had to go back to like, okay, this is all connected. These are all lessons. I'm supposed to be learning about self-care. I'm supposed to be learning about self-love. I'm supposed to be learning about grace and kindness in this way because, you know, who are these people in my life? What are these situations? What is happening? And what, like, impact is that happening in my life? Mm-hmm. So I was getting these lessons on gratitude, on kindness, and self-compassion, a lot of self-compassion. Like, if I love myself the way that these people love me, where would I be? That's a big one for me. I think it's a big one for a lot, the self-compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Because if your compassion doesn't include yourself, it's really empty. And I work on that one every day. Mm-hmm. The messages that I tell myself a lot of the times, I wouldn't say that to my best friend. Why the fuck do I say them to myself? Mm-hmm. You know, Or worst enemy. Worst enemy, exactly. Worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you mentioned grief because I think grief can be a real catalyst for an awakening or an opening. Mm-hmm. My awakening was preceded by... Um, two separate incidents of immense grief two different people in my life my ex-husband who um lost his sister very early on she died of a brain aneurysm he went through grief and i was there with him experiencing that Mm -hmm. and then another friend of mine a few years later his brother was killed in a car accident and he was a very close person in my life too so then i experienced that grief with him Mm -hmm. and uh, grief will lay you flat Mm -hmm. anything that you knew or anything that you thought that you knew about the universe Mm -hmm. just clean slate clean slate that's (laughs) going to clear that shit out Mm -hmm. you know and and, and I I didn't I I wasn't the one going through grief but just experiencing what you know going Mm -hmm. these two people were well that's like secondary trauma like people often downplay that like oh Mm -hmm. I know someone who's experienced a loss of a parent or a sibling or a close friend like that's still a trauma that you've experienced because that person's going through the grief and you're in their life so you're still a part of that Mm -hmm. um and there was points where I was trying to like fake being fine even when I was in that grief space yeah um but I couldn't do it I couldn't I couldn't show up in spaces at a thousand percent so I didn't I chose not to I thought that it would be better for me to show up in the way that I did and like you said it grants permission Mm -hmm. because people often saw me and thought she's always happy she's always just like so jovial how does like she goes through things and it like I had a friend tell me like well so okay look if you can go through things and make it like I'm I can go through things and make it and that to me is just so much more powerful than oh I just faked through my whole life and you just believe the facade. Mm-hmm. I don't want to create a facade that you think you have to live up to mm-hmm. that you'll never be able to live up to because I don't even right. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, and it's I, so crazy. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy that we're we're all busy trying to live up to these false standards, live up to be people who are absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, even my even the career I chose, I mean, the only reason why I chose that was because I thought it was going to be the thing that was going to make me successful and make sure that I didn't end up a bag lady in Central Park, which is still always my fear, even though I know it's not going to happen. People tell me all the time, Maureen, you're not going to be a bag lady in Central Park. But, you know, I'm adopted, too. So I have I have I have I have I still have some really deep seated like um, abandonment issues and, and orphan baggage, even mm-hmm. though I know I'm not going to end up there. You know, I got I got family. I got people now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Yeah, I forget where I was going with that one. But... No, I have a question too. And so in being adopted, did you feel like you had to like outperform yes. or do more oh. Oh my God. than just be yourself? I was a straight A student from like kindergarten all the way up through my MBA. I think I got like two or three Bs my entire life because I felt like I need to perform in order to be safe. Like these people might give me away unless I make sure that I'm the very, very best. I was also, you know, a track star. Like I did everything really, really, really well, but I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I developed an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. You know, that was another thing that I could control. I didn't feel like Mm -hmm. I could control whether these people, whether these people abandoned me or not, but I certainly could could control my food and my body or Mm -hmm. I thought I could control it. Right. It was all not true. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how I felt like I ensured my safety because it was all about being safe. You know, it was not about full embodiment. It was not about becoming who I really am. It was about making sure that I was safe. And I think a lot of people walk through this world doing things to make sure they're safe, right? Taking on jobs, keeping the nine to five because they're afraid of what lies on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they hate what they're doing, they're afraid. They've been conditioned and trained to be afraid of not having money. I mean, that's really scary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that security, too. Like the security. Said, even, like, in relationship of, like, I was an overachiever, and mm-hmm. most of my life I have been an overachiever. But I was achieving constantly for praise that I never received. Like, mm-hmm. I would get the praise, but I couldn't sit with it. Mm-hmm. I never thought I deserved it enough. So mm. it would just pass me by and I'd keep on achieving. And that security of knowing, okay, I'll just keep achieving. They'll be happy, even if I'm not. Yeah, it's like it never fed you. You know, you were looking for food. You were looking for nourishment, right? Through all of these these, this, this, these accomplishments. And it never feeds you. It's so very empty. It's like eating junk food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like on an endless loop. And I, I want to just know, like, I want... We can both think about it, but like, what advice would we give someone who is struggling mm-hmm. with just letting themselves be their authentic self, letting themselves step out of the mold that they've created, or that their parents, their friends, their start doing yoga, right? Because the thing is, is that it's not something where you can just go, okay, now today I'm going to start doing this thing the other way, right? You need to have a container. You need to have a space where you can start practicing what full embodiment feels like. So it's really interesting because before we had, we were on this podcast, we, we talked about the idea of stretching ourselves, right? Stretching ourselves mm-hmm. emotionally or mentally or whatever. In yoga practice, with the asana, which is the poses and the postures, you get to practice these things in a physical way so that you can take them out into your world. So even the, the, the idea of stretching, what do we do in yoga classes? We physically stretch our bodies, right? Then we take that, 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 that learned, that, that muscle memory that we practice on our mats, and then maybe we can start taking that stuff out into our world. That is the real yoga. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest to anybody who's, who's really starting to feel like, you know, I, 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 need to, I need to start becoming who I am. Like, I need to start figuring that out. Start a practice like yoga. Start Mm -hmm. a mindfulness practice Mm -hmm. so that you have the space and the opportunity to to start working on those things in a a really controlled environment with some help, Mm -hmm. right? Don't expect that you're just going to sit down and go, okay, today I'm going to be authentic, Mm -hmm. you know? Because I walk out that door all the time and, 
engage with people and I, and I know I'm not being my authentic self. The difference this time is that I can feel that frequency in my body. Mm-hmm. And I try to correct it, right? I wouldn't have known that five, ten years ago. I would have just been feeling uncomfortable and not knowing why I was uncomfortable, right? Not knowing, having no idea. Mm-hmm. Now I know, ah, I'm feeling some discomfort in my body. What's going on here? Maybe that person is, um, uh, maybe the situation isn't a safe one for me. Maybe I'm responding or reacting in a way that isn't authentic. And that is why I'm feeling that strange frequency in my body, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think yoga is a good way to to tap back into your body. I think mm-hmm. for folks who are not ready to dive into yoga yet, mm-hmm. I would recommend meditation. Meditation is yoga. I know, but some people, they, I, you're so right, but some people assume yoga is asana. And so then that's their first like hindrance i know for me a long time the asana frightened me i was like my body can't do these things like i was having these limited beliefs so if you're in a space of limited beliefs i think meditation even starting at five minutes journaling like having a space where you're able to like funnel your thoughts and able to even release them and expand Mm -hmm. and i love what you said about having community having Mm -hmm. people you can talk to about it because at the end of the day if you're having these thoughts on a loop mm-hmm. they're gonna stay in your loop right when you bring them out you have to be really mindful of the spaces you feel safe in mm-hmm. so if i don't feel safe with someone i'm not gonna tell them my biggest fears mm-hmm. if i don't feel safe with someone i'm not gonna tell them the dreams that i have for mm-hmm. something so i think it's really important too to know where you feel safe and not just be like well that person's my best friend so i need to be able to tell them this some people that you're close to are not having your best interest at heart. And that is a lesson in authenticity. I'm sure a lot of people have had, and it's been the worst one ever. But I think it's important to note that, like, the people that you think are rooting for you are not always rooting for you. But people surprise you in the good ways, too. And so opening up for maybe someone you didn't realize you were going to connect with and having a conversation with them. I've had beautiful conversations with strangers. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it's been like these beautiful conversations about kindness and love and generosity that if I was closed off, like I'm not going to have a conversation with a stranger about this. I would have never had that lesson. Mm-hmm. So I think it's being open to those lessons and creating a space for it, cultivating a space for it. Um, so yeah, yoga... Well, let's just let's just dispel that myth about asana right now, about asana, because we need we need to do that. We need to we need to dispel. And this is one of the things that I really feel like is my responsibility as a yoga instructor, Mm -hmm. bringing something that was you know from uh, uh, indigenous uh, cultures into this modern Western society where everything Mm -hmm. is commodified. Right? Mm -hmm. Is that yoga in its very simplest form means union it means the it means bringing together mind with breath or spirit with the body and yoga has eight limbs and so what we think of here in the west as yoga is what we're um what we're programmed to think of as yoga because we're in our physical bodies so much which is the asana which is the pose is that what you're talking about is asana Asana is only one of the limbs, and it's not really even the most important limb. It's just a really good tool because we're so much in our bodies. Mm -hmm. So if people are not um, 
ready to go into a yoga, a, a traditional, well not traditional, but a, a modern yoga space here in the West and practice asana, they can still practice yoga at home. Like you said, meditation. Meditation is the seventh limb of yoga. The idea is that the limbs get a little bit more complex as you move up the tree. Mm. So asana is the third limb. Meditation is the seventh limb. The idea is that you learn how to become, you learn how to embody, you learn how to still your body so that then you can sit in meditation and still the mind. But first we still the body. So we do all these asanas, then we sit still and then we meditate. Mm -hmm. Another really powerful limb that I would recommend for people that's really easy to do and it's accessible everywhere is your breath. Mm -hmm. So pranayama is the fourth limb of yoga. It's the controlled breathing. So a very simple practice and you can combine this with maybe writing or journaling. Mm -hmm. Go into your room, sit down, tap into your breath cycle, notice where the breath is in the body and start to deepen that breath cycle. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that um, is our, uh, one of our biggest health crises here in the United States is that we were never taught how to breathe properly Fuck. and right. And we're always so anxious. <laughs> and so we're breathing shallow. We're even holding our breath, right? Mm -hmm. We get anxious, we get excited, we get nervous, we hold our breath. When we hold our breath, we're not oxygenating our body. When we're not oxygenating our body, how can we even be our best selves? We can't. We can't. It's not possible. It's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> right? Thank you so much, Maureen. Oh my God. I'm yeah. so grateful for this conversation. And I feel like a lot of people are really going to resonate um, with a lot of what we talked about. Because I think so. it's important, one. And two, Like we're just not having some of these conversations. It just isn't happening because of that fear, right? People are afraid. And so just tying back into something you said, like courage, like lead with courage, like live your life with courage, like just find more space for courage in what you're doing. And I think that just goes back to your heart. I mean, that is the root word of courage. It's courage. It's a French mm. word for heart. Mm. So tapping back into your heart space and moving from there because that is the best thing you can do for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's when you when you when you are steadfast at ultimately not rejecting yourself, right? That's the most important thing is you not rejecting you. It doesn't really matter what anybody else is doing out there, right? When you are steadfast in that or you continue to come back to that intention, then I think that that provides you with a really solid platform to practice vulnerability and to be courageous. Mm -hmm. Because even if you're rejected, right, it doesn't really mean very much because you're 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 practicing your full embodiment, which is what you're mm -hmm. supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to figure out how to grow into who you are. And that takes courage, you know? That takes courage. But when you have that intention that, you know, uh, it's, it's okay, it, it, it hurts, it feels kind of bad when I feel like I'm rejected. At the same time, it really holds no weight. Mm -hmm. It's not really material. It really doesn't matter, especially in this day and age now where it's like 24-hour news, news cycle and things happen so quickly people forget. Mm -hmm. you, know, what, you know, one minute, you know, you're, 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 you're today's news and then the next minute people have forgotten about you and they're on to the next thing. Everything is happening so quickly. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, coming back to the practice of vulnerability, being curious, being fucking curious about who you are, the fantastic, amazing, fabulous person that you are and who, who, you, who you were meant to be. 
mm-hmm. you know? Beyond the programming of like who yes. you need to be. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are missing out so much on the fabulousness and the fantasticness of each and every one of us. Right? The 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 just the the the, the amazingness of this human experience. It, it's really a lot, you know? It's it's a lot and I think Many of us don't are, are, have not yet become aware of that, but there's going to be more and more people. More and more people are going to be be tapping into this um, this this richness that that is the that is our that our own authentic nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat with Ali Cat. Please make sure you follow Black to Yoga on Instagram at Black to Yoga. And if you don't already, also follow Chit Chat with Alley Cat. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks, y'all.